We'll be reading from 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 14. 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 14. This is part of Paul's defense of the faith. I'll be reading from the King James Version. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, and what persecutions I endure. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Please be seated. <clears throat> thank you, Marvin, for our uh, scripture reading tonight, and thank you, Stan, for leading us in our singing. Such a fine job, and I always enjoy the singing at Broadway. We are people who love to sing, and we're always very grateful for your participation in that. Our procedure tonight would be a little bit different. Uh, it's our custom to commend our graduates uh, that we have, and we have several graduates, uh, several of them graduating from college, and we have Elise, who's graduating from high school, and so we want to say something of commendation for them and encouragement, and especially to Elise, Elise Miller, as she is graduating from high school and now has made that great milestone and reached it, reached it in a very fine way. And so I'll say just a few remarks about that, and, and I want to uh, give them, our graduates, something to think about. And uh, I think that the comments that I have in mind are certainly applicable to all of us. And then after the, uh, the invitation song, which Stan will lead us in, we'll have a closing prayer. Our worship service will come to a conclusion, but we want you to stay, and then we have a special presentation we want to give to Elise, and we'll be doing that after our worship service is concluded and finished. But we're happy to have you with us tonight. That gives you some understanding as to what we're doing. We always enjoy the opportunity of, of uh, talking about our fine young people, and we have a lot of fine young people at the Broadway congregation, just uh, absolute excellent young men and women who are preparing themselves for life and for eternity. And we're very proud of them, and we're very happy that they are with us, and we're very grateful for their young lives. I look at them, and I see how enthusiastic they are and, and wish that I could have more of that enthusiasm and more of that energy but as we get older, we begin to slow down just a little bit. But young people have such a pep in their step, and, and they seem to be so happy, and that's the way it ought to be. And we're very grateful for them, and, and we're happy that they are with us. But I thought about some matters which I think we all want to consider, and I hope that our graduates will listen very carefully, and I hope all of us will listen carefully as it comes from the Word of God, and I hope that it will be helpful to you. I'm sure that it will be because it's God's Word. I selected this passage out of Second Timothy chapter 3, 
And I really wanted to focus in on verse 14. Because in verse 14, he uses a phrase there where he says, continue. In King James Version, continue thou. And so I thought that I would build on that phrase, continue thou. Even though you've made such a terrific accomplishment and you've done so much, continue thou. And there are three things that he makes mention of in verse 14 that I'd like to emphasize for a brief moment. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. So he's telling the young preacher Timothy and giving him some inspired instruction here, which no doubt Timothy would utilize and find of great benefit. And as he does that for him, he's doing that for us, not only for our graduates, but for each one of us. And so I'd like for us, first of all, to notice that we are to continue. Continue in the things that you have learned. And you've learned a great deal so far, and I hope that you will continue, continue to learn more and more all along. Young fellow was uh, bragging about his school one time, and he said to a fellow, I said, well, my school's really turned out a lot of good men. He said, really? He said, yeah, I've been to a great school, turned out a lot of good men. He said, when did you graduate? He said, well, I didn't graduate, I got turned out. But uh, sometimes that's the way it goes. Schools turn out a lot of good men. Some of them graduate and some of them do not. The point is we need to continue learning and continue studying. A student walked up to the teacher's desk one day and had an F on his report card. And he told the teacher, I'm going to give you one last chance to change this F to a better grade. He said, why is that? He said, because my daddy said if he saw an F on a report card, somebody's going to take a beating. At any rate, I think he uh, was misapplying what his father was saying, at least trying to. There's been a lot of hard knocks going all along the way. Learning is not an easy thing to do. But if we do not continue to learn, if we just stop here, then, of course, we're going to fail in what we really should be doing and fail to really grow like we ought. So I think we should take Paul's statement to heart. Continue thou in the things which you've learned. Don't let this be an end in and of itself, but let this be a beginning. So many times I would go through a book of the Bible and I would study with somebody or somebody was studying with me or I would go through and I would finally reach the end of the book and I would think to myself, now I'm really ready to learn this book. I'm really ready to start studying. And I think if you study the Bible that way, you're going to soon see that you never really reach the end Continue thou in the things that you have learned. Keep learning. Keep studying. It's so important to understand these important biblical truths. Uh, Waters World is a program on the Fox News, and he'll go out and he'll interview people, and he asks them some very basic questions about, you know, our country and about politics and about history and things of that sort, and it's almost laughable at how little these people really know about some basic historical facts. But I began to think about that matter biblically, and George Barna came up with some interesting details with regard to how illiterate Americans are with regard to their Bible. How bad really is it? Fewer than half of all adults cannot name the four gospel accounts. Many professing Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the apostles. 
60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 82% of Americans believe God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. A survey of graduate school seniors revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. A considerable number of those responding to the poll, one poll in particular, indicated that they thought that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. These are sad facts, aren't they? If these particular numbers are true, then we see that there is a great need for us to continue in what we have studied. When we reach this great milestone of approaching graduation, let it not be an end in and of itself. But as Paul admonished Timothy, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. Continue learning. Continue growing. Go to the Bible and keep studying it. Keep learning it. The Bible will teach us and does teach us. And you've learned how that sin has entered into the world. And that God created this beautiful world. He put man in the paradise which he had created for them. But yet sin enters in because of the free choice of man. And the Bible explains all those very basic principles. The Bible tells us that in the very beginning, the long ago, that God saw that man would need a Savior. And he set that motion in plan, that plan in motion. And he began to unfold his wonderful plan whereby man could be reconciled back to God. But don't stop your learning there. Continue to delve into the deeper elements of the Word of God. You have wonderful treasures to be found in the book of Hebrews. Wonderful treasures to be found in the book of Romans. Wonderful treasures to be found in the book of Revelation. That will really challenge the greatest intellect and the smartest mind. That you can go to it and look and study and learn. And there really is no bottom to the depth whereby we can learn these great truths of God. The more you go back to it, the more you learn. The more you learn, the greater you love it. The more you appreciate it. The more you want to apply it to your life. The more you want to hide it in your heart. Continue learning. Continue. Continue. Keep studying and primarily keep studying God's Word. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. It's a wonderful subject. There's nothing greater than the Bible. and It'll take everything that you've got to plummet its depths, and even then, you'll never be able to understand it all. Up to this particular point, if uh, a person lives, as the Bible says, to three score and ten, some, by reason of grace and mercy, will surpass that, you will have spent 24 years sleeping. Fourteen years working, eight years playing, six years eating, five years driving, four years talking, three years going to school, three years sick, three years studying and reading, and then 
That is uh, the end of life. There's so much that's there available to us if we'll take advantage of it. So take every opportunity to continue learning. One of the things that Paul admonished Timothy was continuing the things that he had been assured of. Be steadfast in the things that you know. Be committed to it. And don't give up on it. One of the great things that Paul is admonishing him, don't let it go. Now continue learning, continue studying. But the things that you know, don't let it go. Hold on to it and be committed to it. And the wonderful things that you've learned from the pages of the Bible, hold on to that and never let it go. Enoch, in the pages of the Old Testament, was a man who walked with God. Genesis chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. And the Bible says he did not see death, for God took him. Hebrews 11 and verse 5. But Enoch was a man who walked with God 365 years. Three centuries. He was faithful and committed to what he knew. Sometimes it's hard for people just for a short period of life. Here's a man for over three centuries dedicated to God. He wouldn't let it go. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and be assured of the things that you know. Don't let go of it. Don't give up on it. Be committed to the truths of the Word of God and the Bible that you know. Abraham, Isaac, a quartet of Old Testament worthies who remained faithful to God. Jacob, you'll remember, was the one who went in and deceived his father, Isaac, and stole the birthright from his brother Esau. But yet his heart is turned in Genesis 27, and he becomes the man of God that God wanted him to be and changes his name to Israel. Joseph was outstanding in his commitment to God, and we all are amazed at the sterling life of Joseph, Genesis chapter 39. Now he was faithful to God even in all of those challenging things circumstances, temptation, difficulties of life, all of those coming into the life of Joseph, but yet he's faithful. He doesn't give up on what he knows to be true, and he's faithful to God. Moses, a man whose very name describes how he was found, drawn from the water, Moshe, 40 years in Egypt, learning the ways of the Egyptians, then living in Midian as a shepherd, for his father-in-law Jethro. There he marries Sephora and has his children, Gershom and Eliezer. There he lives. Then God takes him and sends him into Israel, and by the power of God, Moses leads the children of Israel out of the land of bondage and for 40 years through the wilderness wanderings. 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years leading the children of Israel to the promised land dedicated, devoted, committed. He would not let go of the things he knew to be true. And so he was faithful to that. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua says to the children of Israel in parting words, for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Now you decide what you'll do. You decide if you will follow the gods in the, in the land of the Amorites in whose land you and I dwell or the gods on the other side of the river back in Egypt, but for me and my house, we're going to... The Bible says as a tribute to Joshua that all the years of Joshua, Israel was faithful to the Lord, and all the elders that outlived Joshua, Israel was faithful to the Lord. Joshua was a person who was committed 
to the will of God and the Word of God, and they wouldn't let it go. And Paul's advice to Timothy that, they, that he hold on to the things that he's assured of, the things that he knows, and that's good advice for you and for me. Look at Samuel and how Samuel, in First Samuel chapter 15, he goes up to um, Saul. He says, what have you done? You've offered to sacrifice. You didn't do what God has told you. You notice how Samuel's devoted to the Word of God, verses 22 and 23. Look at David, just a young boy, yet how mightily God used him. And all through the course of David's life, he was faithful to God, faithful to his word. Was he guilty of sin? Yes, he was. He's guilty of terrible sin. He's guilty of the sin of adultery, guilty of sin of murder, terrible sins. But yet he's described as the man who walked after God's own heart because he wanted to do the will of God and he wouldn't let go of what he knew was actually true. But of all the people I might think about, as examples of being faithful and committed and dedicated to what one knows to be true. I'd have to think about Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 4, I must work the works of him who sent me, for the night cometh when no man shall work. He was committed. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51, even though his day was drawing nearer to the crucifixion, Luke says he set his face toward Jerusalem. He was going to do the will of God. Nothing would deter him. Nothing would detract from the focus that he had. He held on to. He was committed and devoted to the purpose which God had in mind. And aren't we glad of that? The salvation of mankind, my salvation, and for yours. Paul's point to Timothy. Hold on to it and don't let it go. You've accomplished a great thing. And now you must hang on to what you know to be true. Hold on to God like Abraham did. And what a great man of faith Abraham was. And all the difficulties, Paul says of him in Romans chapter 4, beautiful passage. It's one that really deserves our uh, special consideration, our special time, and our special attention. Talk about the great faith of Abraham and the matter of him and Sarah having a son. God had promised Abraham they'd have a son. But he's too old to have children. Sarah's beyond the age of having children. But yet that didn't cause him to waver in his faith because he knew God and he wouldn't give up on God. It says in Romans chapter 4, beginning about verse 18, In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. See, he believed in that promise that God had given him. Continuing in verse 19, He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Verse 21, isn't that a great passage? Talking about the faith of a great man, he would hold on to what he knew to be true, and what he knew to be true was God himself. And hold on to Christ, just like Peter did. Peter in Acts chapter 2, preaching the great gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost, and that great sermon in Acts chapter 10 to the household of Cornelius, opening up the door of faith, both to Jew and to Gentile alike, using the keys that God had given him to uh, preach the gospel of Christ to the world. And hold fast to God's word, just like Samuel did. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, to obey is better than sacrifice. 
and to listen or hearken than the fat of rams. Saul failed in his responsibility to God, but not Samuel. Samuel held on to what he knew to be true, God's word, and he was telling a wayward king, you should have listened to God. You should have obeyed God. You should have followed God. Now, you and I need to take a lesson from that, to hold on to what we know is true. Hold on to the church just like Paul did. I don't know of another in the pages of the Bible that was so tenacious and so focused on the growth of the church than this great man of God. And just to point out a point or two about that, I'll turn to Philippians chapter 3 and read for you a verse or two out of verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. You know, watch those who are living the Christian life and follow them. Hold on to that and don't let that go. And he's telling the church at Philippi, hold on to these particular matters. Why? For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. They're going to be enemies to the cross of Christ. Paul's attitude toward them was one of tears. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but there are going to be enemies out there that will try to dissuade you. But you remain faithful. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and are assured of. And there's one other thing that I think that uh, Paul emphasizes to Timothy, that it do us all very well to listen to carefully. And that is, remember the ones who brought you here. Remember the ones who have brought you along so that you've made it to this particular point. But as for you, what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Remember who you learned these wonderful lessons from. You know, a bar of iron is worth about $5. It's just a plain bar of iron. But when that iron is made into a screwdriver, it's worth $11. And when it's made into a screwdriver, it's worth $15. And when it's made into needles, it's worth $3,500. Now, that material of the iron is made into different things. But there's also another piece of material that we're talking about, and that's you. You can be made into something better than what you really are. If you listen to those who brought you here and to the Word of God and allow God to change your life. You see, an iron, a flat piece of iron worth $5 doesn't change on its own. That plain metal is formed and fashioned into an $11 horseshoe or a $15 screwdriver or $3,500 worth of needles by a skilled craftsman. And a craftsman comes along and changes it and uses it and manipulates it and puts it into the right kind of place and fashion the way it ought to be. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, that's what Paul is talking about to Timothy there. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker, a worker who, is, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. He really is saying four things in that verse. Let me point it out for you. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 14. The first thing he's saying is, do your best to be accepted before God. Secondly, give yourself to God. Thirdly, be a worker who's not ashamed of his work. And then fourth, the one who uses the true teaching, use it in the right way. Use God's word the right way it should be used.
Now, your teachers have brought you up to this point. They've helped you. They've fashioned you. They've led you. They've guided you. They've given direction to you. And you ought to be grateful for the very fine teachers that have brought you up to this particular point because they have helped you reach this. And you've reached some element of respectability because you're at graduation. And that's certainly something that is to be respected and in a Christian way very proud of. You earn respect. I remember the story of the um, teacher who was transferred to one of the inner city schools and a real tough school. But during the summer while he was off, he, he was in an accident and he hurt his back. And so to help him, the doctor put him in a uh, plaster uh, cast over his chest and down to his stomach to help support his back. Well, it wasn't noticeable. He had his shirt on, had his coat and tie on. You couldn't tell that he had a a plaster cast over his back and over his chest. So he goes to this inner city school on the first day, and he just throws up the window, and these tough kids are looking at him, and he's there doing some paperwork, and a breeze comes through the window and throws his tie askew, and so he just takes uh, the uh, stapler right there and takes the tie and staples the tie right to his chest. And he had no discipline problems whatsoever from those kids in the school. He had earned respect. You have earned some respect here. You've accomplished a great deal, and we respect you for what you've done. But we also respect that Sunday school teacher who Sunday after Sunday came in and delivered Bible class lessons, well-prepared, well-delivered, who was teaching and admonishing you to handle the Word of God properly. And I'll tell you who else we respect. We respect mom and dad. And you ought to remember the people who brought you here to this particular point. How much have they sacrificed How much have they invested in this that you are receiving the benefit of? How much have they given of themselves, of their time, of their money, of their love, and and how much they've sacrificed? All of that should not be forgotten. The Apostle Paul did not forget it. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, he reminds Timothy of his good parents by making the following statement. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. Remember that mother. Remember that father. Remember that grandmother who's teaching you and admonishing you and helping you to shape and mold and make this bar of metal into some form and fashion so much better than what it was before. Let us never forget If we're thinking about those who have helped us, let us never forget God has brought us to this point through his love, through his care, through his providential kindness. If it were not for God, none of us would have anything or be anything. It is because of his love for us that we have the blessings that we have, the mercy, the grace the benefits that we enjoy every day. Yes, we appreciate the teacher. I can think back about great teachers that I've had, and I think students always remember their teachers. We appreciate Sunday school teachers so much. More, we ought to appreciate them more than we do. What a great work that you're doing in teaching our young people and leading as an example before them. We appreciate those fine mothers and fathers, but we are thankful to God 
that we are brought to this point in time through his divine providence. Continue thou things which thou hast learned and hast been made assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. My focus tonight has been toward the graduates and also for us all that we might learn from God's inspired word as we always do. If you're not a child of God tonight, I'd encourage you to become one by repenting of your sins and by being baptized into Christ, by obeying the old Jerusalem gospel, same gospel that Peter preached in the long ago, without addition to it, without subtraction from it, without fear or without favor. It is the word of God, the gospel that we appeal to tonight for you to obey, to be added to the church that you read about in the Bible. The New Testament church, not a man-made denomination or a body created from the mind of man, but from the mind of Almighty God for the salvation of our souls. If you're not a child of God tonight, I urge you to become one. If you are but you're unfaithful, I urge you to repent. Won't you come? While together we stand and while we sing.